And the Bible reading comes from 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 10. So that's 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 10. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's pray. Father God, as we come before you today, we just want to give thanks for your holy word. We want to thank you that, um, that we have the freedoms we do in this country. We want to thank you for the ministries that we have, like the men shed, Lord. We just thank you for them and the work they do. We want to thank you for our uh, worship team, Lord, that commit themselves every week, every week to uh, come and lead us in worship to you. We thank you that we, that we can praise you. We thank you that we can sing. And, Lord, we just look forward to the time then we can sing out loud in church rather than just praise you with our hearts. And, Lord, as we... Um, as Brian comes later and opens the Bible, opens the word. We just pray that you will guide us, that you will open up a picture for what you want us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So now we have a, a video and it leads into the second week of the value series that we're doing. And um, I will throw over to the video now. As Australian Baptist churches, organisations and associations, we have a shared story that has shaped what we value and who we are. By understanding our core values, we are well positioned to respond and adapt to our ever-changing context. In this series, we explore these values so you can consider how they guide your ministry. They are informed by our understanding of the gospel, are resonant with our history, and are shared by our National Baptist Movement. They provide a framework from which we can all step into the future with confidence in who we are and in the one we follow. We started with Jesus, the one we follow. We are reminded that all people, through all time and in all contexts, can be guided by his spirit and through his word. As churches and organizations, our identity is found in being a community of followers of Jesus. This value of community shapes so much of what we do together. We are part of a broad community made up of all the followers of Jesus throughout history and across the world. 
who together form his body, the church. This is a community of great diversity, which we acknowledge and appreciate. Within this grand movement, the Baptists emerged in England, where the church had practically become indistinguishable from the state. People become members of a particular parish church simply because they were born in the village or the town they were located in. The early Baptists saw things differently. They affirmed that people become members of the church by putting their faith in Jesus. We continue to hold to this understanding. Of course, our communities are open to everyone, but our communal identity centers on our faith in Jesus. Flowing from this is our emphasis on baptism, where we get our name. It's important to us. Jesus was baptized and he asked his followers to go and baptize others. When people put their trust in Jesus, they demonstrate this by being immersed, going under the water and coming up. This symbolizes the story of Jesus, his death and resurrection. Another meaningful expression of identification with Jesus and with each other is our simple meal of communion. As we eat and drink, we remember what Jesus has done for us. We proclaim it to each other and to the world as we participate in this practice. Within our community, we believe that each individual follower of Jesus is gifted for ministry. Ministry is not something done by professionals or a select few, but by all of us. Each has their part to play and all are important. We all need each other. One of these gifts is leadership. And as Baptists, we see leaders as part of the body. Leaders are identified and called by their communities to be representatives and partners. They are accountable to the members of their church, organization and association. They are affirmed in their role as leaders through collective practices such as ordination, accreditation and recognition. Alongside these leaders, others are called and entrusted in spiritual and practical leadership and governance in our communities. Every follower of Jesus has direct access to the Spirit. This means we practice shared discernment, meeting together to seek the will of Jesus and respond to him. While from the outside, this might look like democracy or majority rules, where it's actually something quite different. Usually when a group of people is undecided about an issue or an idea, we encourage individuals and groups to listen for God's leading. This is done best when we are in relationships of trust. We pray together, we dig deep into the scriptures and we are attentive to the spirit. It can take time, but as we discern together in community, we move forward. Our strong identity as a group of people following Jesus together is a key value because it distinctively shapes our practice in discipleship, discernment, decision-making and community building. We stand on the shoulders of those who have come before us in our faith communities. We honour the legacy they have left us and the guiding values and frameworks from the scriptures that have been entrusted to us. And we are grateful for the freedom we have been given within this to respond to the new challenges we face as we live out what it means to follow Jesus and lead his people where we find ourselves right now. It is good to be together. I know we're light in numbers today. So many of our people have taken the opportunity to, uh, to get away in this break. I think some have even uh, extended that uh, travel up into Queensland. But um, it's great to be together. Thank you for being here. Well, as you can see from that video there, um, our, our topic today is, is all about community. 
and, um, and living life together. So let me ask a question for each of us. Um, how did you get to be a part of this community this, this morning? Now, I'm not talking about whether you came by car or bike or you walked here. How did you start your initial connection with our community? So um, I'm sure for some uh, younger members that will be looking, particularly in our feast community as they look at the stream this afternoon, for some will be saying, well, we were born into this community, so to speak. Others here will have um, moved into the area from uh, somewhere else and as they visited around, they, they visited different churches and decided this is the place that they wanted, they wanted to stay. And still others might have come at the invitation of a friend. Uh, whatever it is, we've had a choice uh, to be here today. Um, even for those that are tuning in on the, uh, on the live stream, you've had a choice to tune in today, to be a, a part of this community here today. Today, throughout the world, that choice is not available to all people, um, even today. Uh, for example, in the Solomon Islands, if you were born into a Solomon Island village, that choice would not be open to you. In the Solomon Islands, typically in a village, it has one church. That's all that's there in that village. And that church denomination has been determined by the first missionaries that visited that part. And that was reinforced to me just uh, last week as we had a young Solomon Islander uh, come to our place um, for, for a meal. And it's the first time we'd met him. Um, well, I'd met him once briefly before, but the first time we'd met in detail. And as he came um, and we asked him about his, his background and his uh, commitment to Jesus, he said, well, look, I'm... I was born in the, in the Western Province, and as you'd know, the Western Province, that makes me a United um, Church member. Well, you're not equivalent to our Uniting Church, but a United Church member. Now, that's predominantly true, except that there are about 20% of the people out in the Western Province of the Solomons that are SDAs, because the SDA missionaries were, were very active in establishing uh, hospitals and schools, as well as communicating the Word of God in those days. But by and large, the other 80% of the Western Province people are born into a united church. And so that fellow largely had no choice. But then we find a bit of a difference in the, in the Solomon Islands because in the Solomon Islands, the village chief has the choice of what happens in that village. And so, for example, in the Solomons, um, we have whole villages that have converted from one denomination to another. So out in the Western Province, the Christian Fellowship Church is a very fast-growing church, has five members of the Godhead. So we've got a problem with that church, a real problem with that church. And But what happens is that church will go in, they'll be engaged with um, talks to the uh, village chief, and all of a sudden the village chief will say, OK, well, our church is now Christian Fellowship's church. We've had other instances there where the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons have visited, spoken to the village chief, and... Through negotiations, we've now got a JW or a Mormon church in that village. There are people today that still don't have that choice, very much as it was back up until the 1500s, right throughout our world. Throughout Europe at the time, the church and the government worked hand in hand, and as we saw in that video, the faith of a person was determined by where they were born. When they were born, they were baptised into the local church. The church acted as a registrar of births and deaths. And so the state also had an interest in keeping tabs. It allowed them to see who was who and to track their, their journey through life and make sure they paid their taxes at the end. 
And furthermore, if, if a child died before they were baptised, the, the thinking was, the belief was at that stage, that child would go to hell. And it was thought that the word spoken by the priest and the sprinkling with water of that little child would be adequate enough to guarantee that that child was a member of the church for life and guarantee them eternal life. But then what we know, in 1517, just over 500 years ago, uh, Martin Luther marched up to the, uh, the church and nailed on his 95 theses or 95 opinions to the church door and soon after started the Reformation, a reformation of church belief and practice. And that reformation uh, triggered um, a change by people who started to take the Bible seriously. Up until that time, largely the priests and the monks would be reading the scripture but then with the, um, the advent of the printing press and the uh, translation uh, from Latin into English, people could now take the Bible for themselves and to read what was in that Bible and to make their own decision and their own response to faith. And as people did that, God opened up their understanding in an amazing way. They were able to appreciate things in there that they, didn't, they hadn't been told about. They were able to see the truth of the word of God. And a lunatic fringe developed. A lunatic fringe of radicals developed. They were called the Anabaptists. And they were so radical that they were seen as a threat to the mainstream of the church that by 1566 there were said to be 3,000 of them who lost their lives just in the Netherlands alone, either burned or drowned. So friends, welcome to this lunatic fringe. And we are the derivative, generations on, of a lunatic fringe of people who took the word of God seriously and based their faith around God speaking to them, God revealing his truth through his written word. So who else is involved in that? Well, there's the Anabaptist tradition. Baptists flowed out of that. Anyone with a congregational style of government um, the Church of Christ, I know there are those in our church who have a Church of Christ background, the Brethrens, those can all trace their, their roots back to those early days. So what difference does it make for us? 500 years down the track after this uh, all emerged, what difference does that make to how we live life right here and right now here in Durham? Well, the first thing, I think we're a community who have the Bible as their supreme authority in all matters of practice and faith. When the Anabaptists read their new Bibles, they discovered something. They discovered something that had been lost since the church and state merged together around 300 AD. They discovered that to be a Christian, you needed to be converted. There needed to be a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that was established. They discovered that you weren't born again by being born into a church and baptised as an infant. They discovered there needed to be a repentance and a returning away from sin and coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And it was their understanding of conversion that then led these Anabaptists to think about baptism as an adult happening. For us at Dural, what does that mean for us? For us it means that the Bible is the foundation. And that's why that we have such a large emphasis on, um, on our teaching times together on joining a small group so we can be encouraged in the faith, so we can go deeper in a way that we can't just in our mornings together, getting into the word of God, 
encouraging each of us to be engaged in a quiet time together, going through a, an understanding of what Scripture's all about, opening up the way for people to do Christianity Explained um, and to understand what God's plan for each one of us are, is through Jesus Christ. And friends, if you're uh, here today and you're wanting to understand more about the gospel, perhaps you're streaming in, you might be someone from a long way away, you could email our, our office and we, we'd love to get some information to you to encourage you on your journey wherever you are. Second thing that we want to look at is that we're a priesthood. That was the aspect we're a priesthood of all believers. As Craig read earlier, there were these words, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The New Testament is that, um, the New Testament teaching is that all believers are equal. We were equal sinners in need of a saviour. And when we come into a relationship with God, we are all equal in the sight of God. No one more important than any other. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. And there's no need for any human mediator between God and man. A little bit different to having a priest sit in the middle on our behalf. That's why we as Baptists don't go and confess our sin to a priest because there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. So no human is any better. No human is more holy in the sight of God than another. For those of us who have established a relationship with Jesus, we are all redeemed. We are all priests where we get our name, the priesthood of all believers. We are all priests. We all have equal access to God. Each of us has the Holy Spirit. Each of us has the Bible. And when it comes to hearing the will of God, each of us is able to make a contribution. And I believe this fundamental understanding is the key to our community life together. When we grab a hold of this, that we're all priests, it transforms our community life. We no longer look to a pastor as the anointed person who is going to do everything in the life of the church. We're in search of a senior pastor now. And we're praying that God would bring that man. His anointing will be a leadership anointing for us as a church. But we are all anointed. As John wrote, 1 John 2.20, All the followers of Jesus have an anointing on their lives. God has anointed us by his spirit to understand his truth and God has anointed each of us with different gifts that we can use for the benefit of the body here. As we produce the last of our lockdown streams, uh, Josh Pete had prepared a list of credits and I didn't realise he was doing that. And uh, I thought it was a fantastic initiative because I sat there watching this list of people that had been engaged in our streams over the 18 weeks and I was just blown away by the number of people. I think there were over 40, over 45, 46 people that have been engaged in just the streams for our 16 uh, weeks or 18 weeks now of streaming. And I want us to look at it and just to appreciate um, the amount of people that were engaged here.
worship you. I worship you. You are here, moving in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Cause you darkness my god that is who you So it's a wonderful list of people who have been engaged. But as I was watching that, at that stage it was only 16 weeks or so of our streaming. It's now 18 weeks. I then started to run through the list of people that are engaged in our church each and every day through our various ministries. And, uh, and I want us to rejoice in this together. We've got people serving in leading Bible study groups, leading our kids' ministry, youth ministry and playtime, coordinating our men's shed, Women's ministry, engaged in hospitality, our care callers team that was established at the start of the stream with uh, Morris and Claire heading that, prayer team, treasury and finance, step beyond, coordinating and leading our worship services, engaged in our IT sound and production, preaching, engaged in the sports centre, maintenance of our grounds, gardens and buildings, assisting in our office administration, serving on our church council and care and concern committee, serving on our pastoral search committee. And that's even before we look elsewhere, like those that are, that are engaged um, with their gifts outside, um, in Kairos, um, ministry into the, into the prisons, those that go into our schools for school scripture uh, during the week, and then others that just take the initiative to do things on behalf of our church, like, like Angie um, has got engaged down there in the... In the cafe, it now looks a million dollars. She's co-opted family, both her 
her own uh, nuclear family, but also church family. And Robin Kerry have been engaged in that. And, and Phil Mittervane and others that have come in to be a part of that. And, and just to use their gifts. We're all ministers. No one more important than anyone else. No hierarchy. All priests. All equal access to God. Listening to God. But all faithfully serving out of our gifting. Friends, just let's rejoice in, in who we are. And the way that God is moving um, to build his church as we exercise those gifts together. We've got a Discovering uh, My Gifts course coming up, I suppose, in a couple of months by the time we get there to launch it. But it will be another opportunity for us to, to go through and to examine the way God has uniquely gifted us so we can make sure that people are plugged into using their gifts um, according, um, yeah, using their gifts, actually using them according to the way God has gifted them. Now we're a community who engage in the church meeting. Now, I know for some the word church meeting can fill us with dread, can send a shiver up our spine, because we've experienced on times, uh, at times, um, those being painful places. But I think we need to learn to be able to express Differences of opinion in a way and then to bring those and to take those and to lay those together for God to guide us and to genuinely listen to him and to seek his outcome. That's the model we saw um, in Acts 15. We looked at that model um, over our mission month. You know the story. So the spirit of God had, had, had worked in power on the Gentiles, those that weren't Jews. The Holy Spirit had been unleashed on them. And what were the Jewish people going to do? So they went back. So Paul and Barnabas went back to Jerusalem and they're welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders to whom they reported everything that God had done through them and the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the miraculous signs and the wonders God had done amongst the Gentiles through them. And we know the result. James then spoke up and expressed his view and the, and the Council of Jerusalem came to an agreement that the Gentiles were going to be welcomed in. Welcomed in by them. And you and I are here praising God as a result. We spent time in that passage of scripture over our mission month, over those four weeks. But the church meeting is only going to work well when we leave behind our own agendas and we truly come listening to God and we prepare our hearts to listen to God even before we get there so we look at the agenda and then we're asking God to lead us in all those aspects of discussion for us as Baptists with our congregational government it's a church meeting that has the authority to manage the affairs of the local church sure we have a council but ultimate authority is in the church meeting as the council come brings matters back to our church yes we are part of a Baptist denomination but we are autonomous. There is no central decision-making authority on our behalf. Our church is the decision-making authority. That's why, friends, we need to be prayerful about our times together. Hearing God together. All priests, all listening to God, but all exercising that through our church meeting and our life together. The difference um, of of Baptists or congregationally governed churches and other churches was hammered home to me about 30 years ago when we were just uh, 
going to be building our, our sp um, sports centre, the first part of the sports centre over there, first part of our sports ministry um, on behalf of our church. And uh, we went, we prepared the financial plan and went off to the banks. I remember going into the banks and it sat there for quite a long time. And the bank was struggling with the aspect of, of who our governance was and who was going to stand behind this loan. Because they knew how the Anglicans worked and the Catholics worked and the United Church. There was a synod and whenever there was a loan they would just get a letter out of the central synod who would sign it on behalf and say, yep, this loan's guaranteed. But for a Baptist church, an autonomous Baptist church making decisions on their own, it was something foreign to them. We were blessed that even then Baptist Financial Services came and took half the loan and were able to, um, to stand alongside us and provide some, some uh, sense of guarantee for that bank. We are autonomous in our decision making. And that's, uh, that's both a challenge for us, but it's a wonderful privilege for us because we can hear God and respond to the way God's moving in our hearts uh, and in our community. Then we have a radical view of baptism. The prefix Anna in the Greek means uh, re. And so the Anabaptists were the re-baptizers. As I said earlier, when the, uh, the Anabaptists discovered that um, there was a conversion that had to take place, they wanted their baptism to flow out of a heartfelt change in their lives. And so they realised for them that being baptised as a baby was something they weren't conscious of. They wanted to have baptism... Um, exercised by themselves in response to the conversion that had already taken place in their life. So they were re-baptised, that's where they got the name. And they paid a terrible price uh, for the practice of their believers' baptism, as I said, even being tied up and thrown uh, into the water. Um, friends, we don't tie people up and throw them into the water in our church. Um, we actually baptise people because of their expression of faith in Jesus. You might be here today and you haven't been baptised and you're wanting to understand more about that. You might be watching us on the stream and wondering about the next step. We count it a privilege to walk with you uh, through um, baptism. And then we love to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Now, the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is broken for you. And the same, um, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. I love having um, communion together. It brings us back time and time again to the foundation of our faith. Now, I think there's a danger even for those of us that have been walking, probably more of a danger for those that have been walking with the Lord over a period of time. We can look back and we can look at our lives and we can look at our involvement in church and somehow we can feel, yeah, I'm measuring up. I'm measuring up. I've, I'm, I'm appeasing God. My works of service are, are, are okay. And we can get into a works-based theology, even in ministry. And yet nothing could be further from the truth in terms of what merits our salvation. There's only one reason we have hope, and that's because of Jesus. There's only one foundation of our faith, and that's the cross of Calvary. And that's why we need to keep coming back 
time and time again to remember what our salvation costs, what our relationship with Jesus cost. It was a broken body of Jesus. It was a shed blood of Jesus that made it possible for us to have a relationship with our Creator. And that is the most amazing thing. And I'm just so thankful that our Baptist our Baptist denomination has an emphasis on the Lord's Supper. Continuing remember. Continuing to remember. That's what the table's all about. Remembering what the Lord has done. Taking the opportunity to draw near and to thank God again for his sacrifice. To recognise even at that time we're part of a community of faith that are all on this similar journey together. And then to rededicate our life to the Lord. A wonderful time together at the Lord's table. So that's who we are, friends, very simply. We're people who have the Bible as our supreme authority. We're people who live out the priesthood of all believers. We engage in the church meeting to make decisions. We have a radical view of baptism. And we love to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for who you are. We thank you for the traditions that we followed in, Lord. We thank you for people who many, many years ago opened up the scriptures and had the courage to exercise their faith in a way that has left us with an amazing legacy to walk in. And yet, Lord, we know that we don't just walk in their legacy because you call us to establish a relationship individually with yourself. And then having done that, to walk together in community and to be guided by you. So, Father, we give you praise this morning for the way that you've brought us together in this place. From a whole variety of different backgrounds, and from uh, different church backgrounds or no church background, doesn't really matter, Lord, you brought it to the, us to this place. And we ask that you would continue to grow us together as your community. A community of love. A community grounded on the truth of your word. A community who recognize that there's no distinction between us. There's no hierarchy here. That we're all one in Christ Jesus. A community that wants to work together to make decisions and to listen to you and to discern your voice together and your will together. A community that wants to rejoice as people are baptised and we see that outward demonstration of what has already happened in their own individual lives. And a community who love to come together around your table, Lord, and to thank you for the new life that we have only because of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we give you thanks. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and worship together. I love you, Lord.